check there. Hi. Hi. Um, I looked back during the kids' worship time um, because I thought, I want to, like, put this in my memory and just saw everyone, like, hide. I looked back at the time where it was, like, hide it under a bushel. No. And so I saw all of you guys at the same time. It was amazing. So hopefully um, I felt like, did anyone dab during that time? Was there any dab? No? Okay. I thought about dabbing, but I don't know how because I'm too old. So. Um, anyway, hello. My name's Aline. Um, and if I don't know you yet, I work with KV. Uh, I do um, overseeing kids and youth ministries here, um, <clears throat> working with the families. And, um, well, if, if you haven't noticed, I'm not from around here. Um, my husband and I and our two kids moved to St. Andrews in um, August of 2020. And so we've called this place home ever since. Really, really have um, enjoyed getting to know the community and the people here, whether it's on Zoom or behind a mask. Um, hopefully that we'll get to see each other's whole faces soon. That would be great. Um, but yeah, we've just really, really enjoyed our time. And I've been on staff since July, getting to know, getting to hear the stories of um, times gone by and how things work and everything. And, and something that I've noticed about Kingdom Vineyard in general is that there's a special, there's a special invitation, there's a special opportunity for our church that isn't necessarily at every church, maybe not another church in another city. And the reason for that is because of the transient nature of the town of St. Andrews, right? And um, it's interesting that building a church community in, in what would be semi-temporary people contributing could pose its own set of challenges, but there seems to be a special invitation that I think KV has done really well, which is when people come in, they invest and leave, they build something that's going to outlast themselves. They build into the kingdom and they leave their mark. And I, I hope to do that. Um, hopefully we'll just stay forever. So that's not what I'm saying. But, um, but I've, I've really seen this in times gone by. And so in particular, working with KV Kids, I've seen this with people like Marie Dooley, who put KV Kids into motion. Uh, it was called Young Vineyard, and she really built up so many of the systems that we work off of today. And she still works with us to this day, helping to make sure that everything's safeguarded and et cetera, et cetera. We always get her wisdom on things. Um, people like Laura Hendry, who was here for, even though a, a short time, just invested um, into the kids with lots of fun, I hear. And people like Maddie Haywood, who is still in the thick of it with us today and has faithfully just served for years. Um, and, and these people are leaving something that help us to carry on and help us to build in a greater and stronger way had, had you know, they not been here. They're leaving their mark and they're leaving their legacy. And I hear really fun and wonderful stories of like KV Kids takeovers and these wonderful families that have come and gone and some are still here and they remain the core of the church and the life of the church um, along with all the other um, ages and age groups. And so 
these beloved children um, that I've heard these stories about with KV Kids Takeovers, they've grown up over the years and now become what is our youth group. And so KV Youth actually began in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Maddie started the youth group. Um, she gathered willing souls over Zoom to discuss, you know, Bible and relationship and play games and just gather together. Such a labor of love. And um, after some lockdowns and some visa drama things that were difficult, Maddie just plowed through. And um, since then, it's blossomed into being able to meet in person. Uh, Lizzie has come on uh, at, with the VPA and has really invested into the youth as well. Um, and we also have four amazing leaders that have donated their time and served faithfully, and that's Shin, Ruth, Rebecca, and Chris. And so with youth, we started the year <clears throat> with lots of bonfires, with s'mores, going deeper into relationship with each other. Um, it was beloved, um, so much so that like there was a request for more bonfires during the rainy wintry season, and our leaders were sort of like, please no. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we'll get back to that soon. Um, and then we brought it into... Um, actually develop more, go deeper into relationship with God um, while going into relationship with each other by doing what's called Youth Alpha and going through those, um, they bring up discussion um, for faith, they bring up a safe place to ask questions that are real, and we have testimonies of the youth um, just more or less coming out of their shell, really, and, and feeling safe enough to ask questions that uh, maybe they wouldn't in, a, in another context. And so we're really, really grateful for that. We, we would call that miracles, I think. Uh, we've sat in staff meetings and we've, we've wept over some of these testimonies together. And for the youth in the room, um, if you don't feel like it's a miracle, um, really being this age and in this world and having a place to ask um, a safe place to ask questions and to, to um, look into faith further. It's a miracle. You're a miracle. So, um, yeah, we're just really, really grateful for that. And my prayer is that, you know, we can continue that um, the KV Kids Now will just grow into the youth and we'll continue the cycle and give a place for them to now um, be gathered together at that stage of their life. Um, I see the impact that the kid, the KV Kids um, program has made on the youth now and the investment. And we're just really, really thankful to be able to carry that on. So KV Kids, for me, it's been such a blessing to work with them as I, uh, and I'm, I'm seeing some of our KV Kids workers and I'm just so grateful for those who have given their time and invested and been just a trusted face for the KV Kids. Um, it has been actually such a blessing and uh, to me because I actually get ministered to when I am prepping the curriculum, when I'm looking into the word of God and thinking, how do we see this through a child's eyes? How do we present this to them? Um, each time I, I'm genuinely really built up in my faith and, and God speaks to me and shows me and it gets, it gets deeper every time um, because 
really, whenever I look at these children now, whenever I'm preparing, I know, I think of the scripture in my mind that the kingdom belongs to such as these. And um, I'd love to talk today about that verse, about that passage, and share a little bit more about what we can learn from children. And I've asked Esther to come and read uh, the scripture for today. So Esther, would you come? Luke 18, 15 to 17. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Matthew 18, two to six. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Okay, <clears throat> little microphone hokey pokey, as us Americans call it. Um, <clears throat> um, Esther, thank you so much. That was really well done. And um, so let's just talk about the passage here, particularly the words, um, the echo for me personally, um, if you don't receive the kingdom as a little child, you will never enter it. That sounds quite important. Um, the way to enter the kingdom is to receive it like a little child. So we'll talk more about that. Um, but this, this first passage is an account of Jesus walking with his disciples. And um, people are coming on to say, please, here's my child, bless his child. Lots of people following him, obviously, and um, wanting his time. And then so the disciples are like, no step side, you know, he's got important things to do. And um, they, children in that day had relatively no social status. It was, um, they were of no social status, if you can imagine. Um, and so they were being shooed away. And so Jesus takes his chance in this moment to teach his disciples. And what's interesting is you think about it, the disciples, they're grown adults. They've they have given it all to follow Jesus. If you know their stories, many of them have left their lives and laid it down. And so they're still learning. In this moment, Jesus is like, no, that's not the way, you guys. And so um, I can really relate to the disciples in this way because I feel like, I, you know, I've said yes to Jesus. I've given my life and I've given it all, but I still I learn from him, and I want to continue to learn from his ways. Um, and they needed the admonishment in that moment. They needed to be told from Jesus, no, this is of great value to me. And um, so <clears throat> he, I find it interesting in 
the second part of the passage where he says, you disciples must change and become like little children. Even, even change even more than I already have. I've already given it all, but yep, you need, to, you need to change further and become like little children who receive. And so this is really good teaching to um, open up our hearts to as we also seek to be disciples of Jesus. Um, so what exactly does the childlike faith look like? Of course, there's the distinction between childlike and childish. Uh, it's not a permission to be childish. Um, Paul ta- in 1 Corinthians talks about setting aside childish ways, but childlike faith, how do we break that down? How do we receive that? Um, I think one place we can start is um, in the passage that Esther has just read. Um, there's a verse that comes right before, and that's in uh, verse um, 14. And what it is, it's a takeaway for, and I, maybe we might have it. It's right here. Um, it's, it's a takeaway from a parable that Jesus was just teaching his disciples about before they had this encounter with the children. And some uh, translations would actually just group this whole thing together. Um, and so the takeaway is, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so he, you know, you could picture them saying, oh, wow, that's mind-blowing. Yes, that's true, Jesus. Okay, now let's go. And then he, it's almost like he just shows them as well and continues to teach them through this encounter with these children. Um, and I would say the children in that day, because we know they have relatively no social status in that time, they can be grouped in with the humble and with the lowly. Um, maybe even the ones on the margins, the overlooked And so we see again Jesus pointing his heart toward the unseen and the weak. That's his message. So because children are vulnerable, they're utterly dependent. To put it plainly, children don't hide that they need people like parents and others to thrive. I think we could learn from that. They cry out some more constantly than others. (laughs) And as we study further here, we'll see that our utter dependence is a picture of this childlike faith. So working with children is so much fun uh, and exhausting at times. Uh, I learn a lot from watching them. I learn from their joy and their wonder and the way that they are really quick to forgive, even after a huge meltdown. You know, they'll call what was just their worst enemy, now their best friend. And um, I try to learn from that too. Um, Hopefully I don't have many enemies, but you know. Um, I I think their purity of heart as well is really inspiring. Um, I just see it in all that they say and do. Um, Something else I've noticed, and you may have too, is that they're very vocal. (laughs) Uh, It especially comes across when you are sitting in a large echoey church building during a moment of silence post-worship, and one of them uses an outside voice rather than an inside voice to say, I want a snack for all to hear. (laughs) Or I think Ruthie today said, yippee skippy or something. It was kind of good. I don't know. Um, But, you know, it's interesting. They really, children don't, seem to have much to hide, do they? I think we can learn from that. They're well aware that they're in need of help, 
and not afraid to ask for it loudly. <laughs> um, the other thing is that they're honest. A story from kids' class last week uh, was that they were discussing how Jesus forgives us of sin. And one of the kids said, are you sure I've done some bad things? <laughs> and it's cute, right? Because, I mean, although I'm sure they've done their share of naughty things, they haven't even lived as long as most of us who have had much more opportunity to do some bad things. Um, but I wonder if maybe, like, that's how some of us also feel when we are confronted with Jesus' forgiveness. And they have many other honest stories, right? Like being in public and sharing feelings about their bodily fluids and how p people's appearances that we try and teach them little by little a smidge of tact as they grow. Um, but these traits... Um, these three traits are what I'd love for us to focus on today when, when thinking about what we can learn from children. And they are honesty, dependence, and crying out to God. So for a fuller picture of this, will you look with me at Romans 8, verse 14 to 16, please? <clears throat> it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's my kid's water bottle. <clears throat> um, cry out, Abba, Father. It sounds like a child to me. Abba, the word one commentary says, is framed by the lips of infants and betokens unreasoning trust. Cry out. I can think of a person in the Bible that cried out to Jesus. Like this, and maybe he depicts what it looks like to have childlike faith. A grown man crying out. And actually, the Greek word for this in, in what I just read here in Romans 8, verse 15, krodzo, meaning to cry aloud, to speak with a loud voice, is the same Greek word that I'm in the account that I'm about to read about this man crying out. So look for those words. As I read them. And as we read together, notice also that this man is honest and utterly dependent as well. So again, we see the account of Jesus walking with his disciples. And we can go ahead and um, put that up. It's the account of blind Bartimaeus. <clears throat> see the same sort of thing. Jesus is walking with his disciples. And his disciples decide that this man, the lowly one, the outcast, is not worthy of the master's time. They shush him. But again, Jesus teaches him them something different. So let's read, <clears throat> starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So his childlike faith healed him. He didn't stay quiet in his shame. He didn't hide the fact that he needed help from anyone. He was honest. He was dependent. He cried out to Jesus. And he received the kingdom of heaven. KV, the message for us today is that we don't have to have it all together. We can cry out to God. And God knows that we don't anyway. We don't have to pretend before God. There's an invitation for us to come to him in our vulnerability. To be honest with ourselves and recognize that we need God in everything. We don't have to do life on our own. And we certainly don't have to do what he's called us to do in our own strength. Can you picture yourself calling out to Jesus? And then can you picture Jesus stopping the whole train just for you? That's who Jesus is. That's who we serve. Today we can all receive from him like a little child. And maybe you didn't come today with a physical ailment that is in need of healing. And if you did, we'd love to pray for that too, that you would be healed today. But I wonder if anyone else can relate to the need to see clearly like this man. Whether it's seeing yourself in, the, in God's eyes, whether it's clarity for the future, God's leading whether it's wisdom for a situation, seeing someone else through God's eyes, or maybe even asking God to take the plank out of your own eyes so that you could see to remove the speck in your brother's eye. And in coming to him with a childlike faith, I believe that we can all receive the kingdom of heaven today. So will you stand and I'll pray for you? Jesus, <clears throat> we cry out to you. Lord, help us to be bold, to cry out to you, to know that you're there to receive us into your arms. God, will you help us to be honest? Will you help us to be real with ourselves and with you? 
And will you help us to rely on you and not on our own strength today? Lord, will you come and minister and show us how you can be our heavenly father. We could be your children today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.